You are listening to the Speak Podcast. The podcast featuring talks from Speak, a public speaking platform for people with ideas and stories. Produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. Welcome to the Speak Podcast, produced by Launchpad 516 Studios. New episodes available every week on all your favorite podcast platforms. Speak is a public speaking platform for people with ideas and stories. Each Speak Talk features three key moments. The moment of truth, the moment of transformation, and the moment of impact. We host pop-up events all over the world, and now we are bringing our talks to your device. Our speakers are stepping onto the stage and into the spotlight, and now onto this podcast. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Speak Podcast, the podcast for people with ideas and stories. I'm Fred P. Banning, the builder and co-leader of Speak. In today's episode, we explore the artist's journey. Although the talks on today's episode were given by three distinct speakers from three different pop-up events, each talk weaves together a shared thread of the artist's journey, despite all of them having diverse experiences. Today's episode features talks from Rob McCaffrey, Cheryl Cooley, and Chelsea Takami. Let's jump in and explore. This next talk is from our Speak pop-up event, Speak Freedom, which took place on July 13th, 2023, at the Belmore Movies and Showplace. Let's get ready to be inspired as we take a deep dive into a remarkable story of chasing dreams, overcoming obstacles, and the art of adapting along the way. In this talk, Rob McCaffrey shares how learning and discipline led him to becoming a better professional. You're in for a treat as we listen to Rob's captivating talk entitled Broadway, Bartending, and Batman, where his amazing storytelling cadence and flow makes it an absolute joy to experience. So let's jump right in. Here's Rob McCaffrey with his talking title, Broadway, Bartending, and Batman. Hi, I'm Rob. I'm an actor. Well, I'm a bartender, but it's only what I do for money. People say I have a lot of potential. Potential. The pity I see behind people's eyes. Why? Because they know that statistically having a successful career as an actor is so rare. Because they've heard of the constant ridicule we go through. Let me take you back to the top. I come from an entire family of New York City police officers. Yes, even my mom. A family with a practical mindset and they were practical people where you'd have a job for 20 years have a house, a pension, and good health insurance. You'd be, as my grandfather would say, comfortable. I was a kid who'd play G.I. Joe's in his basement. I was picked on and picked last. I didn't have many friends, but that was okay because I could always entertain myself. But there's a part of me that always knew I wanted more. Summers in Farmingdale, Long Island, there was rec, where you'd play kickball, dodgeball, soccer. But I knew that it would just be more of me being picked last. 
Fortunately, there was something else. Theater arts. My parents signed me up, and I was hooked. I started to go to the library every week to devour every Broadway musical I could get my hands on. Some of you might remember the cassette in Little Bag, right? Mm-hmm. Pippin, Godspell, Grease, Jesus Christ Superstar, Lame Miz. To avoid ridicule and the occasional kid with a lacrosse stick tripping up in the hallway at school, I used to take dance class five towns away. There I felt safe, valued, and picked first. Things started to feel easier, so after high school, I auditioned for the theater department at the Hart School of Music, and I got in. I'd finally found my people, my community. All I had to do was show up. Then I moved to New York, and that became a reality check that I never could have imagined. The talent pool was deep. I found some luck with small shows, but... I also got a job at the Soho House as a waiter, but for the big show, Broadway, my phone was not ringing. One night I ended up at a private house party, as you do after work in New York City. Cindy Lauper was sitting side saddle on a piano bench singing time after time. My friend playing the piano asked me up to sing. When I was finished, Cindy turned to me and she said, what are you doing waiting tables, honey? I didn't have an answer for her. For the next decade, life was a lot like this. Jobs that were adjacent to the goal, survival jobs. Uh, for instance, I was a auto show rep for GM where I would travel to different markets and present cars for them across the United States. Not quite been on stage, but pretty close. But I, as I was presenting the script, the memorized script, I would freeze. The words wouldn't come out of my mouth, and it wasn't too long before they took the mic out of my hand. But that was okay, because I was asked to play the lead in a new musical workshop that was slated to move off-Broadway. Back on track, this is more like it. But as time crept closer to opening night, I found myself forgetting my lines like I did at the auto show. I was dealing with the same fears and anxieties that now manifested as fights with the creative team. And when that show finally moved off Broadway, I was replaced. I was devastated, I was embarrassed, and I felt betrayed. What is going on? What's wrong with me? You see, even if there were opportunities, I wasn't hitting my marks. I forget my lines or my singing voice wasn't fluid. And it was frustrating because I knew that I could visualize it in my head. But when it came time to execute in the moment, anxiety would kick in and it would all fall apart. During countless subway rides back and forth to the city for work, my iPhone became my best friend. And that best friend introduced me to a very powerful tool, YouTube. I found myself finding inspiration in the most unlikely of places. Navy SEALs and, and other Special Forces operatives, coming back from 20 years of conflict, consulting companies, starting businesses, using the skills they learned in high stakes combat situations and using them here in civilian life. There I learned one idea that if I could harness it, I'd become a force to be reckoned with. Discipline equals freedom.
Instead of coasting through life and leaving things to chance, preparation and discipline, the things I thought that would box me in, were the exact things that set me free. I started to rewire my brain, getting those neural pathways to fire in different directions. And trying to do that while approaching 40, with all those vampires in my head telling me it was too late and I should give up, I don't have to tell some of you that that is the struggle. I realized I didn't know how to work, so I got to it. I started to wake up at 6 a.m. to learn my lines and warm up my voice and sing. I would treat the mornings as office hours at the Ethical Corporation of Rob McCaffrey LLC. I would consult voice teachers, acting teachers, and career coaches. I would go to industry workshops just to make sure everything was flowing in the right direction. At night, my bartending would finance this endeavor. I quickly realized I didn't have this problem with learning my lines. I didn't have this perceived disability. I just didn't know how my brain worked. I mean, I could learn songs and sing them the next day. And I wondered why I couldn't do that with text. I mean, they're both just words. And I realized that my oral comprehension was so much more in tune than my visual. And if I just listened to my lines over and over again, like I did with thousands of songs my entire life, I could learn pages of text in an instant. I mean, if it worked with let it be, then it definitely could work with to be or not to be. But the audition, being back in that room with the creative team again, that was my next challenge. Michael Keaton, you know, Batman, talks about how he was going about auditioning all wrong. How when he finally figured out that he wasn't going to the audition to get the job, but that the audition was the job. Getting the job wasn't the point. The point was he didn't have to get the job. He already got it. And so he went there ready to work. I started to adopt this concept. And by taking control of the things I could control, I could stop worrying about the things I couldn't. I could be in the moment, present. And I'm telling you, that is the place where every actor wants to be. Now, how can I argue with Batman? I remember I had an audition for Thoroughly Modern Millie. Trusting in the work I was doing, I said, what the hell? I went in, I connected with the other actor, I made bold choices, I did my job, I didn't get the role. To this day, I can't remember what I did in that room. But the one thing I do remember is when I walked out with the other actress, she turned to me and she said, you know, I've done this show four times and that was the best take on Jimmy I ever heard. You know, I knew I was on the right track. After that, I booked the national tour of Motown the Musical. A year later, I was in a fantastic production of The Sound of Music with other Broadway actors. Small steps towards the goal, I thought it was finally time to join the union, Actors' Equity. I had the confidence, I had the momentum, and I knew that it would only be a matter of time before I was signing my first equity contract. That was in February of 2020. And we all know what happened next. COVID shut down the theater industry for more than two years. I was living in exile on Long Island, mowing lawns during the pandemic. All the ways I knew how to make money previously were gone. Auditions were online. I could learn the new 
thing that everybody was doing of putting myself on tape. But the magic of the in-person audition was gone. I found that momentum slowly fade away. To be perfectly honest with you, I haven't been in a full stage production in over three years. I'm not here tonight to tell you a story about somebody else's idea of success. There is no ending where I say, and now I'll be making my Broadway debut in Hamilton next week. This is, however, a story about perseverance and how I found the courage to take on my own personal struggles head on. On how I focused on the present by cultivating preparation and discipline with which I write, rehearse, and tell my story to you in this very room tonight. I'm determined to do everything in my power to realize my full potential. And to tell you the truth, I don't think my fears and anxieties will ever fully go away. They'll always be right around the corner like that kid with the lacrosse stick just waiting to trip me up and take me down. They say that anxiety is the fear of the unknown, of the future. What that future holds, I cannot say. But what I can say is that for the first time since I was that kid at theater arts that summer, I am hopeful again. And that hope far outweighs the fear. I know that if I take ownership and I take the necessary steps 100%, I can make my dreams a reality and I can be more of my true self. I know that I'm still a work in progress, but what I found is the roadmap to being at long last and undeniably free. Thank you. That was Rob McCaffrey with Broadway, Bartending, and Batman from our Speak Freedom pop-up on July 13th, 2023. I'm George Andriopoulos, the architect and co-leader at Speak. It was so much fun collaborating with Rob on this talk. Coaching him to get on the Freedom stage was so much fun because Rob is a trained stage actor who has appeared in a number of productions, including Motown the Musical, where he toured the country with some tremendous actors and singers. The difference for Rob was that this was one of the first times where he got to write his own piece and get on stage and deliver it. And Rob really learned a lesson in terms of walking the fine line between acting and delivering a talk on stage. It was just such a treat to watch him flourish, see his comfortability while still being just a little bit nervous, just the right amount of nervous getting on there just because this was his personal journey and it mattered so much to him, but that's what this stage is all about. We loved having Rob on our stage and we look forward to working with Rob in the future. Hello, I'm Cheryl Westluong, producer of Speak Homecoming. Our next published speaker is Cheryl Cooley. This ensemble of speakers was full of secrets, and by that I mean secretly famous in their own right, but trying to play it cool with everyone else kind of secrets. And Cheryl was no exception. I thought her talk was going to be about the night she spent with Oprah for a TV special, which, by the way, isn't even her claim to fame. But instead, she chose to deliver a much more complex and demanding talk for her as a speaker. I guess I should not have been surprised, though, that the narrative strategist by trade 
would find a unique angle for her story of home. From Speak Homecoming, recorded on March 30th, 2023 at the K Plaza Art Center in Carrollton, Texas, here's Cheryl Cooley with No Starving Artist Here. The glorified idea of a starving artist is a myth. There was a time in my life when I could have been considered a starving artist based on three things. One, starving artists sacrifice material wealth in order to do their art. Two, they live on minimal expenses because either the art is not just selling or deeper, they don't have the time or resources to be very good sellers themselves. And three, all of their disposable income goes into making more art. I fit the bill on all three counts. But like so many of my contemporaries and master artists and writers before us, I was choosing into this. Based on a study across 40 states with 13,000 participants, toiling to eat is not required. 92% of those artists worked in professional jobs that they actually enjoyed. And 57% were holding down two jobs, all while still doing their art. In my starving artist era, I was couch surfing most of the time, relying on the goodwill of family and friends for a place to lay my head, I knew all the best places in town to eat for cheap or free, and the best thrift stores to find a winter coat for $10. I was deeply entrenched in my own personal culture of, of spending little to nothing to survive. Nobody knew this was my life. Because I had prioritized writing poems over almost every other obligation, I had been making some amazing poetry and getting recognized for it. I was the most flagrant have-not in the land of have-nots. As long as I could still write a poem. Somewhere inside of me, I had absorbed this belief in my marrow that <laughs> the most honorable artists are the ones who starve while they live, but create estates that make a fortune when they die. But there was a day when it all came into question. My 80-something-year-old grandmother said the thing that would rock me to my core. She said, we must have a curse on this family because we can't seem to hold on to any money. A curse? This was our matriarch, the rock that never cracked. And she had convinced herself that no matter what else was happening in the world, she had earned her place at the right hand of Jesus and her wings in the kingdom of heaven. So what was she saying to me in this moment about a curse? I had known my granny to walk with unshakable faith. So the utter worship of a curse in this moment was unfathomable to me. It not only hurt my feelings, but to think that I too was cursed, it totally disrupted the fabric of my soul. She was saying, 
that I had a limit on who I could become or what I could have. She was saying that the entire notion of my own fate was out of my control. I was determined to prove her wrong. We were not cursed. We were continuously making bad decisions. <laughs> and I was afraid to look at my own financial decisions honestly. I knew where my peers were, and I was so far behind. I had a pivotal conversation with another poet friend of mine, um, and I said to her <laughs> that I had not acquired anything. She had acquired a lot of material things. I said, it is really rocking me in my soul, in my ancestors' bones, to think that so much time has passed and I have not acquired anything to pass on to my children or anything I can physically touch as my own legacy. She assured me I would easily shift this narrative in no time at all. It's not that I hadn't acquired anything priceless, I had been in space and conversation with some of the most prominent literary luminaries of our time, breaking bread and making poems. And that's something she hadn't done. And it was something money couldn't buy. She was right, of course, but I still wanted to own something. First, I started to take a look at all the financial facts about myself I was comfortable ignoring. I had created some powerful poems, but I had not acquired anything material. No house, not even a bank account. Then I looked at a credit score that I believed was abysmal. To be honest, I hadn't even looked at the credit score in years, thinking that it was so horrible <laughs> that I would never be able to recover. I read everything I could get my hands on about the way credit is determined. Even the little things you can do to increase a score, like making sure your name is the same and consistent across all three credit bureaus. Next, I worked on income. I knew that I had to change the way I made art if I also wanted to make money. So I set a goal with myself. Never again would I work for less than $100,000. I spoke this into the universe. I changed my chase. I decided I would say no to anything that didn't serve me. And I stayed on track with my income. Then it was time to buy something. And I wanted a house. No, I wanted a home. I asked my spouse to join me in this pursuit, asked him to pull his credit so we could make sure that we were both in a position to purchase. For two years, he ignored me, afraid in that same mental space where I had been sitting, that his credit was too horrible and wouldn't recover. It wasn't fight or flight with him, it was fright and F it. I didn't wait for him. From the time I was a little girl, I had learned the, the difference between houseless and homeless. I'd spent an extraordinary amount of time 
being houseless. I didn't own a house, the container that holds furniture and memories and rituals. I pulled a sketch of a house I had done 15 years earlier. That was the house of my dreams. It was shaped like an octagon. It had large picture windows that looked out over a luscious landscape. It was three stories. It had room for a long dining table where I would serve meals to the people that I loved. Nooks where I could just sit and write. I had a realtor helping me to, to look for this house, which would be called Lucid. Lucid because every dream I could imagine for myself would be clear there. The realtor was taking his time. So as a go-getter, I started cruising neighborhoods <laughs> to try to find the house that I wanted. One day, I came to a house on a hill situated on an acre of land, and there was an open house. I stepped into a sunken living room with large picture windows. It was three stories. I stood in the middle of that room and closed my eyes, and I saw my entire life unfolding in this space. I knew that I wanted to be in this house, but I didn't know that I could afford it. But the pull of it, the peace of it, the timing of it made me know that this house was mine. I did a little more research on the neighborhood and discovered there was a prominent black family, the Chins, who were an enslaved couple who took money and land given to them by their dying slave owner, and they built a community. And the house that I was connecting to so deeply, decidedly my house, was in the middle of that community. Somehow I felt like maybe I was here to carry on the legacy of the Chins. I knew why I was connecting so much to this place. A house is a physical thing that can hold all your material possessions, but a house also has a soul, which makes it a home. The soul of this house on a hill in Northern Virginia was already connected to me. I speak to my granny, now an ancestor from this house. We are not cursed, granny. We are lucid. All things are clear here. And the artist who owns this place still breaks bread, still makes poems, and is choosing never to starve. That was Cheryl Cooley with No Starving Artist here. Cheryl was an incredible speaker. I had flown down to Dallas when Speak Homecoming was happening to support our producer, Cheryl West Long, and I noticed the vibe that Cheryl had given off as a speaker standing on that stage, speaking about being an artist and the narrative that an artist has to be a starving artist and how she sort of took that narrative and turned it on its side and created her own narrative with it. Definitely example of today's episode theme of the artist's journey. This next talk is from our Speak Love pop-up event, which took place on February 16, 2023, in Farmingdale at 317 May. This was a captivating talk 
title Trying by Chelsea Decoming. And Chelsea is an incredibly talented artist. You know, in this talk, she opens up about her journey and exploring the weight of expectations and the quest to discover her own true path. You know, she fearlessly faces the invisible hurdles that we all have to encounter, eventually surrendering to love and self-discovery. You know, weaving this powerful theme together are three original songs that add a magical touch to her narrative, which was one of my favorite parts. You know, so let's immerse ourselves into this artistic voyage where vulnerability, courage, and passion blends beautifully into an unforgettable experience. Here's Chelsea to come in with her talk, Trying. I've been in this position before. Well, not this exact one, but similar and many times competing in dozens of martial arts competitions throughout my childhood, many of which were hosted by my own father. Opening up for Pat Benatar on the main stage of the Paramount about a year and a half ago. She signed my guitar, that's cool. Uh, even just playing my very first paid gig when I was 20, I was living in Albany at some little sports bar. All of these events had one very pertinent trait for me. They made my heart race, they made my hands like shake, and my breathing really shallow, fast. I was uncomfortable, paralyzed, stuck in this weird limbo where I wanted to, needed to push forward, but was also terrified of the outcome. What if I forgot a line? What if I forgot how to play the song? What if I tried to tell a joke and it wasn't funny or didn't land and everybody hated me? I would have to move out of state. I've been paralyzed by fear before and I don't want it to happen anymore, so I need help. labyrinth we navigate I need you to show me the way so in your arms I humbly lay in faith I'm putting my trust in you lend me the power to let it go let it Show me the way. I need you to show me the way. Give me proof I'll be okay. I need you to show me the way. I've been paralyzed by fear before. In my past, I've been so afraid of the outcome that I couldn't even continue. The anxiety of just even thinking about 
starting the process was enough to stop me dead in my tracks. But I don't want to stop anymore, so I need to let go. Supermoon eclipse, help me let go of everything I miss. I release all pain, negativity, and I embrace the gift shining down on me. All my fears, I let go. Anxiety, I let go. I let go. Because if I stop now, then I'll have done nothing. And isn't that worse than doing anything at all? So I realize there's a choice. I can choose to let go of the what ifs. What if I fall on stage? What if I'm supposed to start with the song that I started with, but spoke instead because I was nervous? And what if I watch the video replay and find that one thing that I did that had I not have done it, this would have been perfect. The thing is, it's not about being perfect. It's about trying. And when that clicks in my head, that's when I fall in love with performing. Because it means that I did something, and I tried my best. And I didn't let fear win, and now I'm free. Never knowing, like a bird free from a cage. Beauty isn't made to be tamed, so we fight for freedom every day. Thank you guys very much. That was Chelsea Takami with her Speak Talk Trying from the February 16th, 2023 Speak Pop-Up event, Speak Love. This is a good opportunity to talk about how we source our speakers. 
Most of our speakers come from our speaker invite pool, which is comprised of our internal nomination committee, along with our channel partners, which are a huge part of what we do. Our channel partners are speaking coaches, PR firms, media agencies, a lot of organizations that represent speakers who are able to nominate speakers onto our platform. But every event is produced by a producer, whether it's an outside producer or an internally produced event like Speak Love, where myself, Fred Banny, and Jason Martin were producing the event. Our rule is that eight out of the 10 speakers in a lineup must come from our speaker invite pool. But the producers have the ability to invite up to two speakers per event personally. Chelsea was one of those speakers. We actually met Chelsea at Speak Beginnings, which was our first event ever. And Chelsea was our entertainment that we hired for the event. She's a phenomenal singer and guitar player. And we were just so intoxicated by her performance. But the coolest part was she was equally as excited and intoxicated by the event itself. I remember multiple moments where Chelsea approached us to tell us how incredible the event was and how much these talks touched her. And so when we were looking to do our producer invites for love, Chelsea was one of the first people we called and we knew that she could do something where she could weave in not only a talk, but her original music to give us a truly, truly original speak talk. It was so incredible to watch Chelsea grow through this process and be able to deliver such an impactful talk, both for herself and for the audience. So we thank Chelsea for everything that she has brought to the table for speak. And we look forward to watching what she does in the future. And that will do it for today's episode of the Speak Podcast. Before we wrap it up, I just want to take this opportunity to thank everybody that has been supporting us since this journey began. Your support means so much to us and is so incredible. If you'd like to get involved, visit speakevent.com and click on the Get Involved tab or email us, speak at speakevent.com. If you are a potential channel partner, producer, sponsor, and you want to reach out and see how to get involved, please reach out. We'd love to have you become part of our platform. Coming up, if you are listening to this episode as it airs, we have a number of pop-up events coming up very soon. August 16th, Speak Laughter happening in Belmore, New York. September 14th, we have Speak Health happening in Massapequa, New York. October 5th, we have Speak Transformation happening in Belfast, Northern Ireland for our first international show, which we are so excited about. October 25th is going to be Speak Shelter happening in New York City. November 9th, Speak Neurodiversity happening in Port Washington, New York, and a number more that we're going to be announcing very soon. Thank you for joining us. Have a great day. Speak Podcast is brought to you by Launchpad 516 Studios, executive produced by Fred P. Banning, Jason Martin, and George Andriopoulos. Our theme song, Champions Day, is by Lupus Nocti. Incidental music, Melting Places, is by Andreas Cantu. Music and sound effects licensed through Epidemic Sound. The Speak Podcast is hosted with Podbean. Make sure to subscribe to this feed wherever podcasts are available and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. Follow Speak at Speak underscore event on Twitter and at Speak Event on all other social media platforms. Visit our website, speakevent.com, for upcoming events, channel partner, sponsorship, and Speak at Work opportunities. And follow all the great podcasts produced by Lunchpad 516 Studios.